Hello everyone, this is Future Matt, um, coming to you live from doing the edit for this. Um, I just wanted to let you know in advance that unfortunately there's a few sound issues with my section of the podcast. Unfortunately, when I stop speaking, or if I'm speaking really softly, the microphone cuts out. Um, so when you're listening to this, it's going to sound like very stop-start. However, I still wanted to put it out there because a lot of emotion went into recording this, and the least I can do is still put it out. So it's not the best, but I hope you enjoy it anyway. And, um, yeah, enjoy. Welcome back to the Sam and Matt Antics podcast. He's Matt, I'm Sam, he suffers with his mental health, and I suffer with mine. And that's just the way it is right now. It is indeed. And um, we've got a special, well, we've got two special episodes for you this week, haven't we, Sagora? Um, two, you lucky ducks! I know, definitely. Um, it's the 10th of October today, um, and yes, indeed. do you know what day that means it is, Sagora? Does it mean it's uh, World Mental Health Day? It is indeed World Mental Health Day. And um, as such, Sam and I have decided for the first time ever that we are going to be completely open and discuss separately our experiences with mental health. Aren't we, Sagora? Yeah, our experiences, our trials... Um, we're just going to be completely honest about how we feel and in hope that our stories and our experiences and our reactions to how we've had to cope and manage uh, the hand we've been dealt can help someone else. Exactly. Um, so what we're going to do is this first episode is going to be the Matt Dyer episode and the second episode is going to be the Sarah Cropper episode. Mm. Um, and at the end of my episode, there will be a special Sam Stories, um, which I hope that you guys can enjoy. Now, without further ado, Matt, please take it away and share your experiences. Thank you, Sam. Um, I want to start by saying that Sam and I actually recorded something the other day um, where I was basically saying everything that I'm about to say. However, towards the end, as I normally do, I struggled, and my brain decided that it just didn't want to talk anymore. Um, and so like a garage door, it just closed, and, and that was that. Um, so to help me to keep that door open for this, I have written a script that I'll be following throughout this to ensure that I don't miss or skip anything out. Um, I want to be completely open about everything I've experienced in the past, something that I have never done before. And in what I'm about to say, I will talk about everything to do with my poor mental health. The only thing that I will not discuss is personal relationships, as I don't think that is something that I want to talk about at this time, nor do I think that it's particularly relevant. Um, and so that will remain personal to me at this time. And I think that's a good point to raise is um, our stories, both of them, are deeply personal and are, are, they are our lives. So if we aren't ready to disclose something, then we've not disclosed it for that reason. Exactly, exactly. Um, so my journey aboard the mental health train, no pun there, nice. um, starts in the late half of 2012. All those years ago, Sagora. Um, That's a while ago. And also goes into the beginning of 2013 as well. Um, I noticed that I was getting really tired very easily, having no sense of motivation anymore, and my enjoyment for a lot of things that I enjoyed doing at the time was just fading. Um, I was becoming a lot more stressed easily at work, and my manager actually at the time noticed a slight change in me. So I spoke to her about how things were. 
she suggested that I go to the doctors, which I did, and spoke to him, and he prescribed me my first course of antidepressants. Is that fun, Sagora? Do you remember what antidepressants you were on? I no, I can't actually. Um, I generally don't, generally don't know which one it was. But anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, over the last few, over the next few months, sorry, I went back to the doctors quite a lot, as none of the antidepressants that I was being given were particularly doing anything for me. That happens um, sometimes. It does happen sometimes. Exactly. Um, and after a while of toing and froing, I was given a small dosage of sertraline. Um, I think initially it was something really small, like 10 milligram or something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but here's a stat for you, Sagora. Well, it's not really a stat. Isn't it mad to think that I was initially given that small dosage, and now I'm on 150, which is 50 short of the maximum dosage they'll give you for sertraline? <laughs> So yeah, yeah. yeah. So sertraline, um, sertraline is an SSRI, I think, um, which is obviously a serotonin inhibitor. Um, yes. So they can only go up to two hundred milligrams. They can't. They they legitimately can't give you any more. Yeah, exactly. Um, I continued as I was for quite a while. I didn't actually tell anyone else about it to start. Not even my mum. I didn't tell Sir Cropper or nope. special guest Glenn. Um, and this was actually for a good few months that I just pretty much kept it to myself, which I shouldn't have done. Um, we then go into sort of throughout 2014, and I was not feeling great at all. I think looking back, I think initially it was a mixture of problems at home and something that I still think to this day maybe was the start of it all um, was not seeing my dad much um, I was still seeing him I think at the very start of it all like every like once a month or something um, and obviously as you know that fizzled out and now I don't see him at all happy days <laughs> I think that's, um, that's just sometimes happens, um, just, doesn't it? Like, I, I, I can't really, I haven't experienced that, but I know that from knowing people and things that that does sometimes happen, and it's horrible. In July of that year, my, my dear uncle, bless him, he had a complete mental breakdown. Um, he had already moved out of his marital home that he shared with his wife and two daughters as he was struggling, I think, to be a dad and a husband. Um, he also had his own business to run, which I think was really grinding him down. Um, all of these things uh, proved too much to him. And um, he actually moved back in with my nan, so his mum. But the, the, dark, the dark place that he was in, it proved too much for him to try and get out of and unfortunately eventually he succumbed to his demons uh, and went away to peace um, I never went to his funeral my state of mind at the time was still so new to me um, and I was just I was so fragile but I, I really regret, regret to this day not going um, I think that it would have been a the closure that I maybe would have needed. Um, yeah. I found the days and weeks after his death really difficult. Um, and stupidly, I, I kept carrying on at work. And eventually it just proved too much. And I ended up getting signed off from work. Um, I remember the last time that I saw him, uh, I had bought my nan for her birthday a pair of tickets to go for a tour of Wimbledon. Uh, the, the tennis, the, the tennis, not just Wimbledon, as in the, town. Say, the, <laughs> the tennis, imagine? not an, the tennis, not an open bus tour of Wimbledon. Yeah, what a place! <laughs> uh, unfortunately, at the time she wasn't feeling particularly well, um, so I asked my uncle if he wanted to go instead. 
and we met at a station you probably know quite well, Sagrava, uh, Waterloo. I do, every time in London. Yeah, uh, he got the train up from Strawberry Hill near Twickenham, and obviously I got the train to Euston and went across on the underground. Um, we got the train to Wimbledon and then got a bus, but we actually, <laughs> we actually got a bus to the wrong tennis club. We ended up at some random normal tennis club and not the world famous one. How did you manage that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know to this day how that happened. Um, we did the tour just after the championships for that year had finished. I believe it was in August time when we went. Um, so other than the ground staff and obviously security, there was no one else on site other than obviously yeah. the people having the tours and the tour guides. Um, the experience was, itself was one I will, I will never forget as everything was so brilliant there and as a you know, tennis fan and particularly particular Wimbledon fan um, it was just incredible um, but the, the defining moment for the entire trip was after the tour my uncle blessed him he said to me oh, I'm feeling, feeling a bit peckish should we go and get something from the on-site cafe um, so I was like, yeah, yeah, all right then. So uh, he, he orders a chicken club sandwich and a black coffee, and I had a bottle of Coke. And um, the member of staff at the tour said, uh, oh, that would be £24.50, please. And the look on his face, I will forever treasure, because he was just completely baffled as to why he just spent £16 on a sandwich. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. That is so much money for a club sandwich. What, a black coffee and a Coke? Like, wow. Yeah. Um, so after this, we said our goodbyes and he went on a bus direct back to Waterloo and I went on the bus back to Wimbledon and obviously got the underground back to, uh, to Euston. And that was it. I never for once thought that, that would be the last time that I saw him, and unfortunately it was. Um, every day, every day, I think about him, um, wondering what he would be doing now, wondering if he'd still have the business, uh, if he would have started another business, wondering how proud he would have been that I have finally moved up the chain at work ever so slightly, only just at nine years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. I, I, I really do miss him, and, and every day I, I come home from work and I have a picture. I have a picture in my room, uh, in a frame. It's actually a picture I took of him at Wimbledon, standing outside Centre Court. Um, and every day I smile at him, just to let him know I'm thinking of him. Um, and that, uh, that, whole, that whole losing him episode, it really, um, it really did get to me, to be honest. And I still don't think I'm over it. All these years later, I, I think, still. Sorry, my um, I think that a very important part of that is that you had that last hurrah, um, and it's completely understandable. Loss is something that it's just so difficult to to deal with and to to manage. And a loss of someone so close to you as well, it just makes it all the harder. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't want to keep talking about him on this because I will. I will end up crying. Um, but I miss him. I miss nice. him. Miss him hugely. And yeah, it's not a day that goes by that I don't think about him. Um, I, th I think he would have been proud of you and what you've achieved, and and you know even the podcast. Do you know the the thing I loved about him the best was that every birthday or Christmas, without fail, he would ring up. If it was your birthday, he would ring up in the evening. Yeah. Um, and he'd wish you happy happy birthday, and he'd always ask for your postcode because he would always forget <laughs> what your postcode was. And I know Mum will be listening to this, and he always did that with her as well. And um, another highlight is we we went to meet his um, his then girlfriend that later became his wife and, yeah. and the mother of his children for the first time at his flat in Twickenham. And mum accidentally called her the ex-girlfriend's name oh, by accident. No. She said, oh, it was lovely to meet you, Claire. Oh, and Baker. My, so she, 
she was actually called Christine, but she called him called her Claire. And just the way my uncle was and his banter, he turned around to mum and said, oh, and you, Dave. And <laughs> we were just in hysterics. For, and it's still a running joke to this day. We were just never, never fails to make us laugh. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to get back to the script now because otherwise emotions are going to get more. Um, so actually, yeah, from 20, 2015 to 2016, there isn't really a lot to report. Nothing significant happened. I was just carrying on as I always was. Good days and bad days. Um, we get to 2017 and I start to think that maybe it's the environment I'm in at work that was leading me to struggle so much. Yeah. Um, I was constantly going into the warehouse, uh, grabbing driver trip sheets that we have. Um, they're basically delivery manifests um, that were obviously stored in the warehouse to be able to do my job role at the time. And so when I was out there, I would I'd talk to one of uh, the then charge hands that were out there, who's now a good friend of mine. He said to me at the time that there was going to be a job coming up to work under his leadership uh, with a few other people. And I said I'd definitely be interested in that. And sure enough, the advert came out. I applied for it. And I was successful in getting that I think it was warehouse operative role. Um, because of the staffing situation in the customer service office at the time, it actually took three months for me to actually move from the office into the warehouse. Three months. Yeah. yeah. Um, which always annoys me, because if I had decided I was leaving the company, I would only have to give one month's notice. So oh, yeah. Yeah, depending on what contract you're on, yeah. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it took three months to start my role. Um, so I started, and pretty quickly I realised that actually I didn't think this was the right thing to do. Um, I started to struggle at work with what I was doing. I was unhappy in myself, and this made me quite ill at the time, to be honest. And yeah. unfortunately, I was signed off from work again. Um, this yeah. time for a period, I think it was about two to three months. Um, I remember. I remember. Um, yeah. Obviously, I was down here, but we'd have a, not as much as we do now, but we, we would have phone calls just to sort of check in on one another. Um, yeah. Um, I'll always, though, remain incredibly grateful to work because they said that I could basically have my old job back in customer service. Um, so it wasn't a case of I couldn't hack it in the warehouse and then had to leave. Um, because of the situation, they said I could go back to what I was doing. Um, and then I returned in January 2018 to that office uh, with a new team leader to work for. Um, and he was my team leader actually until recently. Um, he now has left the company. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, move on ever so slightly, 2018 to 2019, pretty much much the same of good days and bad days, to be honest, which is often the case, as I think you'll agree, so Gobra. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Like, you have good days, you have days where you can't face the world, but yeah. 2019 was a big change um, for everyone in the family. Um, they decided that they were going to move to Bexhill and Sea which is between Eastbourne and Hastings on the south coast, to live with my nan and move away from an area that had proved you know, full of bad memories for them. I decided from an early, early stage that I didn't want to go with them. I didn't want to leave my friends. Um, well, say friends. There's only four of you at the time. Um, they obviously didn't want, to leave, didn't want to leave my job at the time either. Um, at least not at that stage, anyway. Um, they finally moved in July, and I went to stay with special guest Glenn's nan and granddad mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. Um, just while I tried to find somewhere suitable to live. Uh, I did eventually find somewhere to live, however, moving in there would prove difficult due to a new unforeseen situation. Do you know what that unforeseen situation was, Sagoba? 
I do not. What was the unforeseen situation? I will tell you, Sokobot. Let's fast forward into what I will appropriately title the COVID years. The COVID Chronicles. The COVID Chronicles. Um, 2020 was a tough year for everyone. Um, large periods of time not being able to see friends and family would be tough on anyone. Um, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it was tough for everyone um, up and down the country. Um, a particular difficult time was Christmas last year. Um, with a few days to go before the start of the Christmas rush, mum called me in floods of tears to say that unfortunately both her and my stepdad had tested positive for COVID-19 um, after being really quite un unwell for a small period of time beforehand. Now, Sakura, I've told you about this before, but you know it's bad when my stepdad is ill because he's never yeah. ill. Um, and he was he was really quite ill with it, um, and was and was quite sick for for a while afterwards. Um, actually, only recently has his taste for food started coming back, and we're now in October. That's so crazy. Coming up to nearly a year, so definitely a long COVID um, situation. Yeah. Um, this therefore meant that I wasn't going to be able to go and see them at Christmas, which was quite upsetting, but at the time obviously I understood. Um, just a few days, a few days? <laughs> just a few, a few days. days. Anything just from the trolley days? Just a few days. Sorry. Yeah, starting to get a bit what's it, but We'll carry on. Just a few days. There we go. Mm. Days later, the government, old Boris, announced that it was going to be another lockdown over the Christmas yeah. period. So I wasn't. I wouldn't have gone to see them anyway. In the end, thankfully, our dear good friends, Sagroba, uh, Glenn and Ash, yeah. they messaged me and said that they didn't want me on my own over the Christmas break and to go and basically move in with them, as they were my support bubble anyway, um, until the new year. I moved in with them on, I think it was the 18th or 19th of December, um, and instantly, actually, funnily enough, started feeling a lot better in myself. Obviously, having coming back from work and having, you know, those lovely people to go and laugh and joke about, um, Ash and I constantly taking the piss out of Glenn, um, which we still do to this day. It's a ritual um, now. It is. It's just it's just part and parcel of our friendship. Um, and then, as I spoke to Mum at the normal time of seven o'clock in the evening on the twenty first of December, she let me know that unfortunately my granddad passed away. Um. Now, I, I ended the call not really knowing what to do or say because I was obviously devastated. Um, but I was also very conscious of the fact that I was with my two friends. So I can't try. <laughs> it just sounds so stupid, um, Sagora, but I tried to walk out of the room back into the living room, pretending as if nothing had happened. Um, Put on the brave face and... Yeah, uh, yeah Ash was on yeah. the phone anyway, and, and Glenn was washing up. So I walked over to Glenn, and he said he did his normal, All right, mate? Um, All right, mate. I, I typed a little message on my phone, because I couldn't say it, that Fair simply enough. said, my granddad has died, and I've still got it on my phone to this day. Um... And as he read it, like, sort of aloud, that's when all the emotion hit me. Um, and when I say all the emotions, I, I mean literally all of them. I, but the trouble is, I try... I don't know if this is you, Sagal, but I, especially with me, I 
a particular trait of mine is when I get angry, I don't get angry to the point that I you know, start hitting walls or something like that. I just get really upset. That's my way of dealing with anger. Um, but I wasn't angry at the situation. Uh, it was just one of those emotions that hit me at the time. Um, yeah. No, I understand that. No, I, I mean, for me, I, I, I think I've, I've told you before, I don't know if I've said on the podcast before or not, but um, yeah, I, I sort of do the opposite. I, I don't have the range of emotion to cry or you know, experience that. Um, so when I get angry, I just end up, you know, I do what you just described not doing and throwing things and like just expressing that I'm not happy by raw emotion. And I think you do the same thing, but in, in the sense of expression of emotion, but without the drama, if you like. (laughs) I mean, everyone deals with their emotions differently, don't they? Um, so, yeah, it was um, it was horrible. Um, but, you know, just coming back to, to what I was saying, when Glenn read that message, I tried not to get upset, and, and I did. And the more I tried not to get upset, the more I got upset. Um, but I have to say, um, it seems... Not in not in keeping with the podcast, but I want to give a, a quick shout out to Glenn Nash because not just while I was there, but especially on that evening that that happened, they were so fantastic and good. Um, yeah. I don't think either of them knew really what to say to me because because of how I was feeling anyway. You know, you can't, there's no point in just saying. Oh, I'm really sorry, you know, all the rest of it, because, yeah. Um, but they were, they were so good. They kept me entertained with a game of Monopoly um, that that evening, which <laughs> took my mind off things. Um, yeah. And they they were just superb. Um, and I will always, always be forever grateful for that. Um, so, obviously, then I had Christmas Day. Um, Christmas Day was difficult because obviously I wasn't, wasn't with my family. Um, yeah. Glenn and Nash had a thing with their families that they basically were on one big Zoom call and were opening all their presents together. I tried to stay like amongst that, but it just proved too difficult. Um, so I went to my room that I was staying in um, and just took myself away for a bit just because I was really struggling with the not seeing the family on Christmas Day, um, which I th- I'm sure, again, yeah. I'm sure many people did. Yeah, so as, with Christmas, I was lucky enough to obviously go back to my parents um, and my dad, you know, was saying, oh, if Matt wants to come over for Christmas Day, like, we'll make sure that we can have, like, Christmas like, dinner, like, outside. Um, obviously, we were shielding for my mum. Um but then obviously with Glenn and everyone, anyway, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's been a while since that fateful day. Um, mm. Didn't we have a phone call in the morning? I, I want to say we went for a little walk. Did we go for a walk? Um, I'm going to be honest, with you, but I can't remember I can't much remember either. about oh, I can't remember. Christmas. I kind of fizzled it out. Yeah, I can't really remember either. Um, I know that we did definitely have a call. Um, because it was a FaceTime call and Glenn came into the room awkwardly and was like, oh, sorry. And then realised it was me and he was like, oh, Sam. Um, but yeah, no, it was uh, it was a hard time, I think. Just, I obviously mentioned it's hard for everyone, but especially for you, because at this point everything was just layering on top of one another. Yeah. I mean, it was difficult. It was just a difficult period for everyone, wasn't it? But... Um, I have to say I found it especially difficult um, especially difficult at the time so um, so yeah I um, I then moved moved out of their flat um, I'm back to where I normally live I think the third week of January um, 
I had had the first week of January off on annual leave, um, so it was nice just to have a bit of a break before before going back. Center yourself, um, reset, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I just spent that week making cakes, to be honest, for Ben and Ash. <laughs> Do you know what? I've the... still not had a Matt Dyer cake. Well, you've never been here, so go so... Um, oh, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> I mean, make a good point, don't I? Yeah. Um, chocolate. I did a chocolate, good old chocolate cake, and also red velvet. I cannot describe how good that red velvet cake looked when you sent me the photos. I wasn't I was... a big fan of it to start with, if I'm completely honest. Um, but I think Glenn Nash liked it. So. Glenn loves it. That was the main thing. Um, we now get to the point that I, other than my uncle, I struggle with the most. So 2021 is, I, I have put was, but it, it still is 2021. So It is still a pain in the ass. Yes. I, I really started to struggle even more. To the point that probably... The worst I've felt um, within my entire tenure with mental health yeah. related issues. Um, in and around March, I was struggling to keep up uh, on top of everything at work. Um, my workload was doubling every day through no fault of my own just down to how busy the business had suddenly become and boomed over COVID. Everything was, yeah, coming towards um, a free, freer country. Logistics, yeah. just the whole industry just went, right, let's just all hands on deck then, shall we? It, it, it did. Um, I soldiered on, but I was really getting myself into a worse and worse state. Going to work tired through lack of sleep and then getting home drained, mentally exhausted, physically aching. Um, and then I, I realized that I, I just burnt myself out. Yeah. I, you know, you know me, I try and keep going and keep going and keep going. I, all that happens is I end up burning out because I want to try and carry on, but my body's saying, no, you can't, you need to take a break. Yeah. And you know, around that period, I do remember seeing you in that state and seeing you in that way and just not knowing even where to begin to help um at all really yeah um so i I just realized that i was become burnt out um but because i wasn't doing anything about it I i was i mean i don't know if this is even possible but i was burning myself out even more so it was just, it, I, don't, yeah. I can't tell you how bad I felt at that point in time. Um, yeah. then, then something occurred that triggered a complete downward spiral. Even, I mean, I don't know, it's, it's weird, isn't it? You think of like the ground level. Yeah. It's, it, how is it so easy to to go below the ground of uh, how you're feeling? If that makes sense, like I'm in the hidden basements. So that's how I like to describe it. I mean, generally feels like that. Yeah. Um, so something occurred which put me into an even more downward spiral for a good few months, actually. Yeah. Um, which. I've really been unable to get back up from even to this current day. Um, now, Sarah, you know this already because I have talked yeah. to you and Glenn knows this as well, but I don't think anyone else knows. So I had got home from work and I was absolutely shattered beyond belief. I felt so low. It was ridiculous. Um, normally, I try and do something in the evening, whether it be, you know, just 30 minutes of 
playing my piano or watching some YouTube videos that I know are going to cheer me up. Yeah. Um, when I was living up there, it was going for a walk. Exactly. Um, however, um, I just, I, nothing, no, I didn't want to do anything. Nothing cut it at all. Um, I was fed up beyond belief. I, I'd even come to the conclusion that I just hated myself. I really did. I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't like the way I was. I just just didn't like myself at all. Yeah. Um, and I, I took the decision that I was just going to go to bed. And I think this was like six o'clock in the evening. Like I immediately got home from work. Um, didn't even want to eat, which you know there's something wrong when Matt Dyer doesn't want to eat. Yeah. Um, I knew that mum normally calls me about seven o'clock. So I decided that I would get ready for bed, get into bed. But I wanted to speak to mum as I normally would. She didn't think there was anything wrong. Yeah. Um, she rang as normal and asked how I was as normal. And she'll know this because it's always the same. But every time she rings and she says, oh, Hi, love, how was your day? I'll always say, Not bad, you. And the reason I say that is because I really quickly want to not think about myself or discuss how I am. Yeah. Um, now, the conversation then usually goes along on the side of Josh is being a dick <laughs> and his worker being a dick and Sorry. the school children where mum works are being dick. Yeah. Um, anyway, I finally went to sleep around, I think, quarter past seven. Um, and then I then proceeded to have the most awful dream that I've ever experienced. Um, now the other, well, say the other week, the other month, I was on my way down to, to Bexhill and the train got to around Berkhamsted and all the lights on the train just went off and the yeah. emergency lights came on. Um, I thought, well, this is weird because the train runs on electricity and we're still, we're still on the track. We're still moving, so we know it's, you know, not run out of electricity or something. Yeah. Um, so it carried on and it continued like it was through to the Watford Tunnel. Now, for anyone that's listening that you know, uses the West Coast Main Line, um, just before you get to Watford, um, on the way into Euston, there's quite a long tunnel. Um, now, obviously, with no lights on, apart from emergency lights, when we got inside the tunnel, it was really dark, almost spooky. And I was the only one on the carriage at the time. Uh, yeah. It was... Um, yeah. So the dream was that I was sat where I was on that train, right at the back, as I normally do. Um, and the lighting was exactly the same as it was in the real situation. Um, now, in my life, as it currently stands, there are... I think four periods of time that I look at that have either affected me or something like that. Um, yeah. One of them is Josh growing up, um, going from his nice, cute stage to his teenage, not nice. Um, yeah, his teenage angst years. Yes. Um, the other one is you, Segroba. 
Um, My teenage angst years. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you, Glenn, Ash, uh, and obviously my, my other friend, Adam. Adam, yeah. Um, there's my Uncle Nick situation, which we spoke about earlier. Yeah. Um, there is a fourth, but it's not something I want to speak about time yeah that's fine um the dream is is obviously the train is really dark i'm walking through each carriage it's a four carriage train and each carriage only has one table where each of the things i've just said are uh, you're all looking out of the window like your statues like I can't talk to you. It's as if you're not. It's as if you're there, but you can't see me. Right. Okay. Um. So the the first carriage was Josh. The, the second carriage was you, Glenn, Ash, and Adam. Yeah. The third carriage was Uncle Nick, and the fourth carriage is the one I don't want to speak about. Um. Just to reiterate that. Nothing bad in the sense of any harm came to me during this dream. Um, it, it was it was just one of those so vivid, yeah. simple. Yeah, it's um, just one of those. It's just a tour of your subconscious. Exactly. Um, I eventually got to the front of the train. And there's no driver. It's just driving itself through the Watford Tunnel. But the tunnel's never ending. We never get to Watford. It's just the same, it's like it's the same period of seconds just repeating itself over and over again. And I woke up from the dream and I didn't feel sad or happy or I didn't feel any emotion yeah. I just I woke this is where it sounds really stupid but this is genuinely what happened I, I just woke with a single tear in my eye um, yeah. it wasn't even late it was still like 8 o'clock so I don't think it was even a deep sleep dream um, and to me when I look back at it I think that it's a constant reminder of what I have, or rather what I don't have. It's, it's almost like it's a dream showing you the things that are close to me. Yeah. But the whole tunnel thing describes mental health so well, because you're in that dark period, but then, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't see, I couldn't see any light. Yeah. It was just darkness the whole time. Um, as well as this dream, I also have one that's been burdening me for a number of years. Now, I, I don't think I've ever told anyone about this. I don't know if you know or not. Um, if you, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. No, no, we're going to go. going to do it. Um, okay. It's the same dream, but the people around me are different or the location is different, but it's the same process of the dream. Um, same concept. Yeah. So as some of you may not be, may or may not be aware, I have two passions in my life. One of them is Formula One and the other is the London Underground. Um, unfortunately, my dream is, well, I mean, this is more of a nightmare. It evolves around the latter of those two. Um, it's not a very long dream, but its simplicity is just where it's so vivid. Um, I have actually spoken to doctors and counsellors about this dream. Um, yeah. They don't believe that it's anything that would lead me to harm or is anything to worry about. Um, so here we go. The, the dream is I'm standing on the platform of a tube station. Um, 
not anyone in particular. I can't see which sign, which station it is, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, a train is approaching out of the tunnel. As the train nears me, I lose my balance of things. Um, all these voices, namely my mum and my brother, come into my head. Um, I just want to clarify that I don't jump in front of this train. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, that's not what it's about. Um, but I do lose my balance and kind of just gracefully fall um, onto the tracks just before the train gets to me. Um, I don't get hit by the train as the dream suddenly ends. So, yeah. But again, I just want to clarify for everyone that it, it's not that I made the decision to jump in front of that train. And I also want to clarify that I've never felt, in, throughout the, the, all these years, I've never felt that life for me is not worth living. That's good. And neither have I ever attempted to hurt myself intentionally. I'm pretty clumsy. Let's, let's, let's not, you know, not gloss over that. I'm quite a clumsy person. But I would never hurt myself on purpose. It's um, good that you... No, have that clarity and it's good that you know that within yourself yeah um not long left to go <laughs> sorry about this it's taken me longer because i hate these bits um so we return to 2021 at work where things are just getting impossible i decided it was enough enough was enough um so i sent a email to my manager and team leader saying that I could no longer cope and that I either needed to be removed from the CS office or I would basically have to leave the company, which I didn't want to do from a financial point of view. I had an email back from both of them separately and they both said that they would do everything they could to help me. It was agreed that they would look to move me out of the office imminently um, and this was in April, I think. Uh, however, I never actually got the go-ahead to move my things. So I never did. And I had to carry on every single day struggling. When finally, about two months later, I think it was, at the end of June, beginning of July, I was told that they had devised a new job role with me in mind. Um, since doing the temperature data things that I did, but minus the customer service elements yeah, um, and obviously a, a few more things other than that as well. The job advert came out while I was on annual leave in July, once people could actually go and visit people again, which was nice. <laughs> I returned to work and applied for the role and I was offered an interview for the job, which I attended, then had to wait four weeks before hearing that the job that was basically my job anyway was now indeed mine. Um, so after that, I very quickly vacated the office, shall we say, yeah. um, into my own little room, which I've got to be honest, it was quite sad in a way because it was, it was not saying good goodbye to necessarily the role, but that had been the same desk that I'd been in throughout the nine years I'd been in CS, minus yeah. obviously the trip to the, failed trip because, to the warehouse. Yeah. Um, so I started on the 2nd of August as business operations analyst, which I continue to do to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So this, this one, what I'm about, we're, we're very nearly there. So okay. I'm on page 11 of 15. <laughs> um, this one is. I think the one that's going to give me the most difficulty. Okay. Um, like I said before, if you, if you don't feel you can say it, then that is absolutely fine. So reversing back ever so slightly to the week before mum's birthday, I received a message from my uncle 
say that unfortunately my granddad was quite badly ill in hospital um, and was probably not going to come back out again. Um, he was in Watford General, which in fact is the building directly opposite our beloved Watford Football Club. Um, in fact, certain wards you can actually look out of the hospital and it overlooks the stadium. So we, we'd always joked that if anything was to happen to a player while Watford were playing at home, they wouldn't need to call an ambulance. They just call a stretcher and a couple of nurses, and you're basically in A and E before you've left the pitch. Um, Grandad had been struggling for a few years um, with his health, in particular his balance, which meant that he'd fall, fallen over quite a lot. Um, yeah. I was off work the week after I heard about Grandad being in hospital. Um, so I was, I was kind of hopeful that I could relax a little bit since it had been, you know, a very horrible <laughs> time. Yeah. Um, so I arrived in Bexhill and then was told that, sadly, our oldest dog, Shadow, had not been very good. He'd been quite unwell um, and he had to be put to sleep. Um, and honestly, I was, I know I use the word devastated quite a lot, but I generally have no other way to explain how I felt about that. As um, family pet, was the, your, was the, the shadow you had all throughout your childhood, though, didn't you? They, well, the, the shadow had been the dog that I had by my side for 12 years. Um, he was the dog that had sensed. I mean, I still don't understand how he did this, bless him. He'd sensed that family were all going to be moving away because the month leaving, leading up to them leaving Leighton Buzzard, Shadow would not leave my side. Even, even at night, he wanted to be upstairs with me. Um, I have his old collar tag hung up on my wall alongside a photo that I once took him and Pepsi, our other dog. Um, and I just loved him to bits. And I was generally so sad when I heard the news. But again, because I was with mum and family, I didn't show any emotion. I just kept it, kept it, kept it. Kept it. Um, down and, you know, and spray faced on. Yeah. Um, and two days after that, uh, Grandad passed away. So, yeah, I felt so, this is going to sound really stupid because if I say this to everyone and everyone says it's whatever, um, I felt so, guilt, so guilty and angry with myself because I hadn't gone to see them, see him and my nan for so long because of COVID, because I'd worked the entirety through the pandemic in the office. Obviously, still mixing with other people all the time. Um, I would never have forgiven myself if I'd gone to visit them and they'd caught something off me. Um, that's fair that's, enough. And that's why I stayed away. Plus, my mental health was just not good enough to face going to see people and being like really happy and just couldn't do it. Um, so I had made the decision that. Um, basically, my friend Adam and I were going on a Saturday to go and watch. Uh, we were going to Brands Hatch to watch a friend race in the Prague series, part of the Brick Car Championship. Um, so I had said to Adam the week before, um, would you mind dropping me off in Kings Langley after the race to go and visit them? Because you have to drive through to Kings Langley to get back um, yeah. to Hemel anyway. Um, and I never did see them. Well, I got to see my nan, obviously. I never got to see my granddad. Um, he passed away before I could get to him. Um, just to highlight, actually, how awful that week was, when we was at Brands Hatch, my friend and I were amongst, um, the spectators at the, um, 
at the circuit that witnessed an absolutely horrific yeah. accident. Honestly, the worst thing I said to you at the time. Yeah. Honestly, the worst thing I've ever seen in motorsport that not, resulted yeah. in the death of a track marshal. I'm not going to um, lie, I completely forgot that you'd witnessed that in that proximity to everything else. Yeah. Um, so all the racing was cancelled and we left early. Um, so, yeah, the, the emotion of that week, I just, I just kept saying to everyone that I was done with this week. On the outside, I was carrying yeah. on as normal, but inside I was just broken. Empty, yeah, empty. Broken, empty. I had nothing, nothing left. Um, his funeral was on the 25th of August, and this was the first time that I saw all of my dad's side of the family in over a year. Um, Mum accompanied me as she had spent many years living with my nan and granddad when she was with my dad. Um, this was also the first time in at least four or five years that I'd actually got to see my dad. Um, over the years, I've tried to initiate some kind of contact, whether that be, you know, suggesting a once a month lunch or something, but um, nothing has ever really come of that um, with my dad, so... Um, I also yeah. sent him a Christmas card uh, over the previous Christmas when I was living with Glenn Nash to say that I missed him and that I wanted to get in touch again. Gave him my mobile number, but nothing ever came of that, fortunately. But um, I think around that period, yeah, said to me um, that you felt so fortunate to have Andy. Yeah. The, I the, I say to everyone that asks about basically Andy is my dad. He yeah. is the man that raised me with my mum from a young age. You know, we we didn't maybe we didn't get on particularly well when we lived under the same roof in Leighton. Yeah. Um, but happily we get on better than ever now. Um, yeah, which and, is yeah. great to see. And from sort of your friend, like, as your friend, as, from my point of view, you know, when we were growing up, we know we had, like, like, when you grow up, you have, like, parties or school events or stuff like that. Um, I remember it was my dad would take us there and then your dad would bring us back, Andy would bring us back, yeah, drop me off, and then, you know, go back home and stuff. So, yeah, from sort of our point, from my point of view, I'm sure Glenn, you know, feels the same way we are so happy that you have that relationship with andy now yeah it's really great um really great to have that now um so i saw my dad at the funeral just before we went into the service i i went over shook his hand gave him a little pat on the back and said it was good to see him but i wish it was under better circumstances um and, and as a mark of respect for my granddad, I also sat next to him during the service, which I thought was the best thing to do. Yeah. Um, my family chose not to have the curtains close at the, at the chapel, so when the service ended, my nan, two aunts, uncle, see my dad, my cousins and myself went over to the coffin and paid our last respects. I kept all my emotions in check throughout the day because that's what I do. I don't, I try not to show any emotion with, I'm with my family. Um, in fact, after the wake, mum and I even went for dinner. And I was still, you know, just talking to her normally about things. And it was only when I had left my mum, she was staying in King's Langley because obviously she didn't want to travel back to Bexhill that day, uh, that night, sorry. Um, I'd left my mum at the hotel and was sat at the train station to come home and that's when everything flooded out um, I, I, this is the bit I really like so Grubber and yeah. um, I think you're like this so mum had said to me that her and my granddad were always playing jokes on each other um, over the 10 plus years that she stayed with them 
Oh, yeah, okay. The, the crafty bugger always said to my mum that he would get her back one day. And he did. Because he died on her birthday. That was how, <laughs> that was how he got her back. He died on the 2nd of August. No, sorry, 3rd of August. When did he... Oh, my God. <laughs> sorry. 3rd of August, I do apologise. Yeah, he... <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, <laughs> you don't get that symmetry in life. You, ju- you just don't get that symmetry. He had the last laugh, didn't he? Bless him. Definitely did. Um, so I'm gonna close. I'm gonna close off now. Um, and so we reach September, and obviously we're in October. Um, I'm now on the waiting list for some CBT therapy. Um. Yeah, but for me, there's one thing that I've been able to put everything aside, all my emotions, and be almost my old happy joking um, so. self. And that started on the 14th of September. And do you know what that is, Sagrava? What is that, madam? And I'm not just saying this for effect. It's this podcast. Yeah. This is generally the thing that makes me the most proudest of myself, and you, yeah. the most proudest of myself in years. I don't get proud about my things very much, um, but this this podcast, getting to the audience levels we have in yeah. this ridiculously short space of time, all the support we've had from everyone. Um, it's not even been a month. <laughs> I know. It just means so much to me. Um, I can't... I'm getting emotional to saying this. I generally can't put it into words how proud I am that yeah. we've got this. Um, yeah, and, you know, it's worth the 5pm business calls where I put you on hold. and It's worth, it's worth us pulling our hair out and just yeah. doing everything possible to get the content created and get the content posted edited it is worth every single last ounce of our energy um and i know you feel that that is the same for you yeah um i'm gonna win now so Robert. um okay i i know i will get better and i have to because my one day son, Lando Lewis Ayetendaya, <laughs> needs to be Formula One world champion so that yes. his dad can finally retire from polar speed at the age of 50. He is. Um, but not retire from the international podcast. Of, of course, this will be going on until one of us dies. Um, yeah. Sorry, that was fairly morbid. Sorry. <laughs> um, my luck is fairly awful. Maybe. Maybe one day soon I'm due some nice, nice luck for a change. Um, I, I, so. am, I really am determined to prove to my mind that I can overcome its challenges that it throws with me on a daily basis. I, I know that I can do it and that my future will eventually be bright. Um, I started this little monologue, if you will, with a little train pun. So, as my terrifying dream suggested, the tunnel is long, but every tunnel comes into light eventually. Powerful words. Thank you. That's the story of Matt Dyer. Thank you for sharing that, Matt. And I'm sure our listeners will agree and and hopefully get in touch and agree. Um, But you have been dealt a rough hand, uh, but you are definitely due some good to come out of it. And also, your story is one that I think I, I, I wholeheartedly know people will resonate with. And I hope that it does help you to know that you sharing that has helped other people. I hope so. I hope so. Um, 
I just want to say thanks. If if you've all made it through listening to that, thank you very much because I did slow down towards the end. Um, I tried not to get upset. I think you can probably tell in my voice at some point that I did and am. Um, but that's ultimately because I don't like admitting that I'm failing. Um, but like I said, I wouldn't I'll necessarily get... say you were failing. Like, I think it's just you don't. I think you don't like talking about talking about yourself, and you 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 know, like you said about when you message your mum and you're tweeting to your mum on the phone and she says, how are you doing? You say, oh, I'm not bad, you, to get the focus off of you. That's just who you are as a person. You don't like to... You know me, do... I, I would rather make sure everyone I know is okay before me. Exactly. When I'm and... at work, I make sure the customer service team is okay. I don't even work in that department anymore. I will make sure they're all okay other than myself. That's yeah. just who I am. That does not mean you're failing. That means that you are an empath. You're empathetic. You care about everyone. You are not failing. Yeah. I know. And I think we're going to end part one of the podcast there. Again, Matt, thank you so much for sharing your story and having the bravery to do it in the manner you did. Um, writing your scripts must not have been easy. And then rereading from the script and sharing it with us must have just, uh, must have been so difficult. Um, but I really do appreciate you sharing it with us. Um, guys, there is also my story uh, that will be following this um, and available on your streaming, po- your streaming platform as well. But, yeah, just want to say once more, thank you, Matt.